also says, telling the story of Jesus for those who love it best and know it best. And it says, uh, what, sweeter every time I tell it. Sometimes we get this idea, you can be turned into Matthew chapter 12, please. Sometimes we get this idea that there's a different gear we need to be in. Oh, I'm in the gear of telling the, the, uh, Jesus to an unbeliever, so I better be evangelistic. And then, oh, I better shift gears, because now I'm telling it to people who, don't know, uh, who know Jesus really well. You know what? If your life is talking about Jesus and sharing the word of God, it doesn't change. You're talking about how awesome our God is in salvation. So sometimes you're telling somebody who's never heard it and never believed it. Sometimes you're talking to people who've heard it their entire life. That's what we do. We just go and talk about Jesus, amen, and tell, him, uh, tell God how uh, wonderful he is and share that to others. And again, we're going to be talking about that here this morning, that one of the points this morning is giving praise and glory to God for who he is. It's more important than something else we're going to look at this morning. All right, so there we're setting it up. So last week we were reading in chapter 12. We're going to pick it up. Uh, in verse 9, if you would, Matthew chapter 12, and verse 9, we're just going to, well, you know what, let's go to verse 1. Verse 1, please, well, I want to read that whole passage again. Matthew chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1, and get the whole context of what is going on, and uh, read through verse 14. At that time... Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and the disciples were in hunger and began to pluck ears of corn and eat. Uh, excuse me, and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what it meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is, the Lord, uh, is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had a wither, uh, hand withered, and asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And it, again, let me read that again. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on Sabbath days. 
Then he, then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Father, thank you for your word. Again, thank you. The point that uh, Jesus is trying to make and again, we're going to look at it even further this morning. Father, thank you that being a child of God, being in a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, Lord, serving Him and living for Him every day and being a Christian, a Christ-like one, is not based upon religious traditions. It is based upon an active, daily, close relationship with our God. And so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, be with my mind, help it, uh, Lord, as we share this together, that we can understand some of the more important goals, more important desires of Jesus, and, Lord, instructions from you, that we would not just follow a few regulations, but, Father, that it would be something that is real in our life. So, Lord, Help us to understand where we can do better and be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so right off the bat, we're jumping right back on the theme that we were looking at last week, is the religious leaders from Israel were rejecting Jesus, okay? And they're rejecting him specifically because of the Sabbath. And we had talked about, keep going, we're going to just zip through this. Okay, up to this point, everywhere that Jesus went to minister, the Pharisees were there. They were watching, criticizing, accusing, just looking for any option that could, uh, they could use against him. And understand, the majority of it is because uh, he was shooting down all their religious activities that they had puffed themselves up with and stood in pride over other people because they were so religious and again, we looked at the Beatitudes that blessed are the dot, dot, dot. We're going to look in a, in a couple of chapters where the, Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, dot, dot, dot. And what's funny is Jesus, when he's saying, Blessed are the poor and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and the meek, that those are exactly the antithesis, exactly opposite of those woes that he said to those the Pharisees. What they were doing is trying to live in their religious puffed up pride and not truly living for what God wanted them to do. So this is what's happening. They're looking at Jesus and they're feeling threatened because they've built their little religious kingdom on how good they present themselves when it comes to religious tradition. And Jesus is just shooting it right down. So they don't like it because Jesus said, you got this stuff all wrong, guys. Okay, and remember my, the phrase I like saying quite a bit. It's one of those ones that's my favorite in my brain is God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be, not just doing what he wants you to do. Well, the Pharisees loved doing a bunch of stuff, but they weren't being who God wanted them to be. And Jesus was coming forth and pointing this out, and they didn't like it. So now all of a sudden Sabbath day comes by, their big one. One of the things that they love to strut around and talk about is how they honored the Sabbath continuously. And uh, now we've got you, Jesus. We've got you pinned down. You're in trouble, okay? Keep, uh, right there. They were continually making notes, the things that went against their religious traditions. Keep going. Oops, that was a double. Okay, 
the obsession with the Sabbath, many of the, the Old Testament things were overlooked by the Pharisees, but not the Sabbath. Okay, this was one of those very easy outward appearances. One of the things that uh, several of my personal mentors in, in the ministry uh, reminded us is there are a lot of churches that uh, you bump into a pastor and you'll, you know, if you get to a pastor's conference or you get to a church conference with church leaders and they said, how many you running in church? Okay, and we learned the, the answer is between two and three hundred. Not two hundred and three hundred, between two and three hundred. Somewhere in there, okay? Okay, because they judge the health of a church by how many people are sitting in the pews. Because isn't that an easy way to judge? Well, our church is doing great. We got uh, 70, 80 people in there doing really good. Are they? Is that how you judge how your church is doing? Just by how many people are in the pews? Because I'll tell you what, uh, I love this, and uh, it comes into play right now because the Kansas City Chiefs, okay, one of the churches we used to go to conferences is in Kansas City. And about five miles down the road is Kansas City, this Chiefs Stadium. It's got the Royals in the Chiefs Stadium in this big, gigantic parking lot, okay? And the pastor there used to say, you want to know who's doing better based on attendance? Yeah, we may have, and there was a large church, we may have 4,000 people here on Sunday morning. That stadium's going to have 48,000 people on a Sunday morning. If you're basing success on how many people are there, then they're a better church than we are. And this is what the Pharisees were doing with Sabbath. They were saying, oh, because we keep the Sabbath so well, we're spiritual. Well, guys... Uh, I know in my own life, and I won't make any judgment calls about anybody who's ever come to this church, but I know in my own life, I've been in the church pew, but I've not been right with God. I was a Christian, I believed in Jesus, but I was living my own life, doing my own thing. And yeah, I was parked in church on a Sunday morning, but that didn't make me spiritual, that didn't make me pleasing to God, did it? So I've got to ask us the question. Sitting here this morning, are you, are you like, well, chalk one up for me. I'm in church this morning. Man, I just earned some good brownie points from God. How about Bible reading? Okay, we talk about how important it is, but do we do it just because, well, I got to, man, I got to keep on my Bible schedule. If I don't keep my Bible schedule, I won't make it through the whole Bible this month or this year. Oh, by golly, I better pick up my daily bread and get that page done and checked off because, you know, God's not going to be happy with me if I don't put those words through my brain. Or are you reading it because you know it is the only way that you and I can survive? And Brother Dan this morning was talking about that. If you want to be prepared to do whatever God has laid before you today, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If he's ordered your steps and you're heading for something, the only true way you and I can be thoroughly furnished the only true way we can be ready to be what God wants us to be today is because we've spent time in his word. If we're just chalking it up with, hey, God loves me, look at this. All month long, 31 days, I read God's word. Woo! Go me! Kind of like a religious tradition, isn't it? I judge my spirituality not by how I'm living my life, but because I read through a daily bread or I did the Proverbs this month. 
So that's unfortunately what the Pharisees had boiled their life down to. See, last week we talked about the fact that religious tradition, and I know you and I, we do it naturally, right? Our brain goes to other churches and their silly traditions that they have. But you know what? We've got to be careful because we can do the same thing. If we're not doing these things because we know it is what God wants us to do, we do it because we love him and it's going to make us better servants of his and prepare us for what he has us to do. If we're just doing it because, well, God, I don't understand why I'm having financial trouble this week. I was in church. You know, I read my Bible at least twice or three times this week. Got to be careful because that's what the Pharisees were doing. They are like, there's these heathens because they don't keep the Sabbath. And Jesus says, listen, you guys are keeping the Sabbath, but we'll read later on in a couple chapters from now. He says, you look real great on the outside, but you're like a, an urn. Real pretty on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones. And so Jesus is approaching this with them saying, listen, you think this is what's the gauge? There's a lot more. So we're going to look at today. A couple of things that are better than just blind obedience to tradition. Okay, keep going. Okay, we talked about the truth about the Sabbath. I just wanted to point these things out from last week, just a reminder, so we set the stage. Okay, the Sabbath is a picture of God resting on the seventh day. I'm not going to go into the whole teaching on that, but that's the whole thing. God has a plan, and there's a seventh of rest that's coming, and it's based upon God's promises. Remember, we talked about so many times in the Scripture when God says, this is so serious, I'm sevening it. Okay, and we talked about, how many of you pinky swear? Come on, come here, pinky swear. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Okay, how many of you know you, you swear? When God says it's serious, he says, I'm sevening it. Okay, that's what God, that's what the Sabbath is about. God says, I'm working a plan. Okay, there's going to be a seventh rest period in my entire creation in the plan for this universe that's what seven is about it has nothing to do with making the 24-hour period that happens to be a saturday holier than anything else more sacred okay it is a ceremonial law that pictures something that's coming just like everything and we're going to talk about this in a minute but when we went through the book of leviticus is the sacrifice of a burnt offering something we have to offer anymore or a peace offering, or a meat offering, or a trespass offering, or a heave offering, or a... No, why? Because Jesus is the answer to all those offerings. They were ceremonial offerings that pointed to us a truth. Jesus is the offering that we needed. Well, the Sabbath isn't about a 24-hour period. It is a reminder that we get a chance to spend eternity with God, starting out in that rest of the seventh that's what it's about. Number two, it applies to the nation of Israel. You and I don't have to keep the Sabbath. Okay, and we talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Noah, Enoch, all those guys, they never kept the Sabbath. It wasn't until Noah, uh, Noah, it wasn't until Moses on Mount Sinai who got the official law. So there's lots of people before that and lots of people after that who don't have to keep the Sabbath. It is not for you and I, it's for the nation of Israel. Number three, it is not for a New Testament Christian. You and I don't have to keep the Sabbath, okay? And again, we talked about the fact that it's kind of got twisted because of point number four. It has always been, never been anything different. It's Saturday, not Sunday. 
Saturday is the seventh day. Sunday is the first day. Okay? This is why we worship on Sunday, not, the sa not Saturday, the Sabbath, because it's not for the New Testament church. All right? Just covering all those points. You want to talk to me about it later, please do, or get last week's sermon. Here we go. Oh, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Okay? We just read those verses. The Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus. So they go into, and I like this. It doesn't say, there's an interesting phrase here, and sometimes you pick up on these words when you're reading God's word. And it, it says in, come on, where is it? Oh, on the uh, verse 9, and it says, when he has departed thence, he went into, it doesn't say the synagogue. It says their synagogue. Now, that may not seem like it's split in hairs, but when you look it up, many times it talks about the synagogue. This is their synagogue. It's just interesting. Hmm. Jesus says, oh, I'm going to go into their synagogue. Let's see what they want. Let's see what they're going to do. And there's a guy there with a withered hand. And again, culturally, around sacred pools in the synagogue, the people who were handicapped would go and sit there because they would beg preferably they may get healing from the Lord, whatever. So it, it was known to have people who were struggling with health issues around the synagogue. Well, as soon as Jesus goes in, they go, hey, here's this guy with a withered hand, Jesus. Let's see, should we get him to try to heal him on the Sabbath? Then we really got him. You know, we saw the disciples do this, and he could have shot that down real quick. He said, uh, haven't you guys read the scriptures? This is all, according to God's word, okay. Oh, we'll get him. We'll see if he'll heal on the Sabbath. So they accuse him, right? They get him. Jesus reminds them. Again, Jesus is trying to point out, and I didn't look it up. There's a lot of Old Testament verses. I wanted to focus on this, that this is a ceremonial law. There is absolutely nothing in your health, in your physiology, in the creation of this world and the molecules that are here in this, in this universe that get altered or damaged if you do something that is labor on the Sabbath day. Okay, oh, I picked something up. I'm going to get cancer. Okay, it was ceremonial. It was picturing something. Jesus said, listen, if you guys had a sheep or something like that fall into a hole, you're going to look at it and say, well, it'll be dead by tomorrow, but i got to wait. Jesus said, no, you'd get the sheep out of the hole. Okay, when it's something important, you do it. Because the ceremonial law, yes, it's based upon your understanding of God's truth, but it's not going to damage you spiritually or physically if you violate the Sabbath. Just like, how many of us uh, believe that God wants us in church whenever we can get there? Okay, I love this. <laughs> Every hand should be up. You get a pastor, you really going to be encouraged there. How many think you should be in church? Everybody's like, gee, all right, we're done. See you next month. No, according to God's word, he says, Forsake not the assembling of the, yourselves together, as the manner of some is, as especially because you're seeing the days approaching. The closer and closer we get to God calling it quits here, we should be gravitating more and more toward one another, not not. But here's the thing. 
How, how many of you know that we take attendance? We do. Okay? We do. We take attendance. How many of you ever have I ever told what your attendance record was for this year? Because they don't do it for that. Okay? One of the things that God says about a shepherd is, and what Dan referenced again this morning, is when one of them is missing, you notice it, right? Well, some of you, that was the thing. Thank you, Lord. It took a while. Remember I told you I forgot something I was going to say? Some of you have been asking about Peter. Okay, where he's been. And I know that Peter had said that he may be traveling to Florida for a little while to visit family. But thank you for your care. You know what? We ought to notice when some of our family members aren't here with us. Right? You count the sheep and make sure that the flock is... So, we take attendance. Not because I'm going to go, <laughs> all right, wait till I tell so-and-so how many services they've missed this month. No, we just want to make sure we're taking care of one another. That's the point. We know that the best thing to do is to be in God's house whenever we can with God's family. But you know, some of you have said, well, Pastor, I won't be here next week because I'm going to, uh, to visit my new grandbaby. And I go, hallelujah for that. Go visit your new grandbaby. That's awesome. How dare you consider missing church? I'm going to put a check mark next to your name, a red one. Because we don't earn priority points with God just putting your tush in a pew. We serve God from the heart. So there's the issue. Guys, we got to be careful that we're not doing these same things. Because we can misunderstand what God wants. Being in God's church is important. It helps our growth. It helps our accountability. It helps us as we're teaching one another and learning from each other. And just like God gave us his word to function through this life, he also gave us his church. He left us with three things to get us through. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, and God's local church. And if you take one of those legs off a stool... It falls over. So yeah, it's important to be here on a Sunday whenever we can, on a Wednesday whenever we can. It's essential to our survival. Just like it's essential to read the Word of God. Just like it's essential to be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. All of those things are important. So he brings them into their synagogue and they try to trip him up by healing and Jesus says, you know what? You guys know how to do good. Even on a Sabbath day. You do what was right. And that's why Jesus quotes from uh, Hosea here. And he says that mercy is better than sacrifice. Now we're going to look at this because this is kind of hard to, to grasp. When God has given an Old Testament law that people who violated the Old Testament law would be accountable for it. Now Jesus is coming around saying, but you've gotten so tied up in the Old Testament law, you've forgotten why the Old Testament law was there. So he says, you know what? This guy's got a withered hand. 
if I'm able to heal them on a Sabbath day, isn't that better than just saying, oh, I'm going to keep the old tradition? He said, mercy is better than sacrifice. Yes, you could keep the Old Testament law right to the letter, but I need to consider what God would want me to do for this man, and that was heal him. Okay? Uh, he says, doing well is the goal, not blind obedience. Now, I can only talk about me, because I know what goes on inside my brain. I don't even know if, what goes on inside my brain. But I know there have been times in my life as a Christian that I've done things because I'm supposed to, not necessarily because I wanted to. And it's like, you ever try to discipline a child? And you tell that child to sit down. And they're like, and I said, I said, sit down. And they go. So physically, they're sitting down. But they're not sitting down inside their head. They may be complying and doing what the law just told them to do. But inside, they don't want to. They don't care to. They're just being rebellious. There's been times in my life where I don't want to be here. And I pull in the parking lot, and, you know, walk from over there and say, well, this is where I'm supposed to be. Now, thank the Lord, most of the time, and you guys have probably been there, as soon as you get in with God's people, you realize this is exactly where you should be, and, the, and it changes your mind right away. But if I think I'm earning brownie points with God just because I go, well, I better do it, and God better... You, he better treat it, give me extra credit for this. Really? Because we're doing it out of tradition. Or are we doing it because we really know this is what God wants and it's the best place? I'm not saying it's always fun. Uh, we just talked about this last week with a couple guys have a big problem with going to the doctor, don't we? Well, I got this pain, of, and your wife or somebody in your family says, well, go to the doctor. Nope, 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 I'm good. Okay, you know, my leg, it's chopped off, I'm bleeding. Go to the doctor. Nope, no, good. Give me some duct tape, we're good. And we'll go kicking and screaming into the doctor's office because we don't want to be there, but we know once we're there, we get what we need, hopefully, unless it's our ER. Oop, did I say that out loud? There's times and we just don't, but we know it's the place we should be. Okay, so God says, uh, <sighs> these guys have completely forgotten this. I'm going to deal with this couple, again, I'm not going to steal my own thunder and jump far ahead because we could be here all afternoon talking about what the Pharisees and Jesus calling them out that we'll see in the near future. But they take a counsel. They said, okay, that's enough. Jesus you want to do good stuff on the Sabbath? Forget it. You're violating the Sabbath. we got to figure out how we're going to kill this guy. Something to be killed for, isn't it? Making them feel ashamed of themselves. 
and they're ready to kill Jesus because of it. Because they've misunderstood what God's word has said. Now, a couple of things. Let's go. Now, we'll get, now we can fly through the rest of this. Okay, the lesson is keeping religious traditions is not as important as knowing the one who gave us those things to do. Yeah, God gave us these religious traditions, but why? Why did God give us the traditions? Because he wants us to learn what is important. Okay, case in point, quick one. When my kids were growing up, 9 o'clock bedtime. Why? Because they turned into little hellions at 9.01? They were little hellions the whole time. I mean, uh, no, I just, sweet children, I love them. Okay? No, because we were trying to impress upon them the importance of having a good night's sleep. As they got older, curfew kind of went away, and now they're living on their own, and hopefully somewhere it's sunk into their brain that, hey, a good night's sleep is important. And when they come dragging in, well, I played video games to 2 o'clock last night, and they get up and work at 6, and I go, duh. I don't feel sorry for them. If you're going to get four, night, four hours of sleep, what did we try to teach you growing up? Okay, you set some ground rules because he's trying to teach you a truth. Okay, if, hap- if we show up, Dad, we're not going to get home from Grandma's until 10.30. We violated the t- 9 o'clock bedtime. <gasps> so we were at Grandma's. We were doing something important. But generally the rule is you want a good night's sleep. That's why God established all these laws, and they've forgotten that it's to teach them an important truth. Okay, Jesus says that there are things that are more important than blindly following religion. So let's look at a couple of them. Okay, number one, knowledge and mercy. It won't take us long to get through these. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So this is the reference that Jesus is quoting when he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you want to know what's better than keeping the laws and the sacrifices that God has commanded? Mercy. You know what's just as important? Knowledge of God. I think, Dan, you quoted this last Sunday, where it talks about ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know how many people across this world are in church today, and their tradition says they should be there, but are they really increasing the knowledge of God in their life every day? Because you know what? Keeping church tradition is great, but you know what? You ought to get to know God. There are people who've been in church 30, 40, 50 years, and they're the same as they were 30, 40, or 50 years ago because they haven't increased their knowledge of God. Catch what Jesus is saying? You know what? You can give the sacrifices, keep the traditions, but if you're not getting to know God better, if you're not learning his mercy, it's a waste of time. Jesus, it says, it's mercy and the knowledge of God is better than keeping religious tradition. How about you and me? Is that our goal? Do we want to know God better? Or are we just going, well, if Pastor Craig sees me in church on Sunday, another brownie point. Next one. Put away your sinful lifestyle. Ooh, 
ouch. We've already heard about this one this morning. We ought to accept and respect everybody's decision and not call them out where God says, you better reprove. You need to learn how to rebuke. Look what it says here, guys. You can read the whole passage later, but in verse 15 and 16. And when we spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you and make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Get that? This is crazy. God says, you know what? I'm not going to listen to your prayers if you're living that lifestyle. And sometimes we thought, oh, God always hears us. Well, yeah, God's aware of everything, but he's not going to listen. There's times in the Bible where it says your prayers can be hindered by your behavior. Well, God says, you know what? Keeping religious tradition is great, but it doesn't mean I'm going to hear you. If you're living a sinful life, there's people, hopefully... Not many of us in the church on a regular basis that spend Monday through Saturday night living for their own selves in the flesh and then pop into church on Sunday and think, whoo-hoo, got myself good with God this week. Or we're living for the flesh, but we pick up a daily bread and think as long as I get through this pages, a little couple paragraphs in a poem, God says, you know what's better than tradition? Then your raising of your hands in your prayers and all your religious activities, ceasing from sin. Next one. Praising God with your life. There's another psalm passage. Look at Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praises. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Or burn offering. One more, is there? Go forward one? No, okay, go back. All right, so that's that. You get that? God says, listen, if you're not going to be doing this for my praise and my glory, then sacrifices don't matter. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it for sacrifices if it's not for me, for my benefit? And we talked about this just a couple of minutes ago. That we ought to be praising God and giving him the blessing every time we can. We're going to read the verse in a minute, so I'm not going to jump ahead. Okay? One of the things, what's better than religious tradition is giving God praise and glory with your life. Showing that everything that you do on a daily basis is giving God the credit. How many people in this world have a religion, but they're not living giving God the praise on a daily basis? They think just because they step inside a church or drop a check in here or write something to, you know, Salvation Army or buy some clothes for some poor kids on the other side of the world that they're earning brownie points with God. It's not religious tradition. Keep going. Doing good and partnering in the ministry. Okay. Hebrews. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, what is that? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. 
but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. They just say, you know what, I, the burnt offerings and stuff aren't pleasing me if you're not living for me. But you know what does please me? These sacrifices. Fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name, doing good, and that word communicate. Now again, I think we've covered this enough, but I'll say it again just so we remember it. The word communicate in the Bible does not mean speaking to one another. Okay, it doesn't mean exchanging of texts or letters or anything. Communicate means to have everything in common. Okay, you guys know what the what when if I said there's a commune, they're living in a commune, okay? Uh, politically communism. Okay? That's not what God is talking about here. What it means is that I just got done talking about this with John, um, uh, discipling. You know what fellowship is? Oh, we go downstairs and have some potluck. We do love that kind of fellowship. Fellowship is fellows in the same ship. If you're in a ship with somebody, are you going in two different directions? Try that. One of you is going to be wet. If we're all in fellowship we're all heading in the same direction with the same goals okay you ever paddle a canoe with somebody who doesn't know how to paddle a canoe and you're on one side paddling and all of a sudden the canoe is just going around in a circle and it's like what side are you paddling on because if you're both working to go in the same direction you're both doing what is necessary to go that way I used to do it, get in the back just for the fun of it, and turn us the wrong way. That person would be paddling like a crazy person up front. And just turn us the word here, communicate, means that we are investing together in God's plan, in his ministry. You want to know what's better than sacrifice? What's better than a daily, uh, excuse me, uh, a tradition, a religious tradition? Is that we're doing good, and we're working toward the ministry that God's left us here to do. How many people, maybe it's people right here in this church, are coming to church, doing our religious tradition thing, but are you working toward the ministry that God left you here to do? What's the ministry that he left you here to do? Number one. If you haven't heard it in the last couple of months with us going through 2 Timothy with Dan, we, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to go out there and get people to understand Jesus loves them and he can be their savior and forgive them of their sin. That's number one. Are we all together in that? Or we just come here plunk on a Sunday morning and say, oh, God's happy with me because I'm in my pew. It ain't about religious tradition, guys. Next one. Knowing that Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice that matters. You know, there's lots of sacrifices we talk about in the Old Testament, right? Man, you read through the Old Testament. I did a word search this, word, this week on sacrifice, faces, facing, and it was like 700 times this is mentioned in the Old Testament. 
<sighs> there were sacrifices all over the place in the Old Testament. But understanding, there's only one sacrifice that makes any difference. Read it with me. So the passage is 1 through 14. You could read it, the whole thing later on, just a couple of excerpts from it to help us to understand. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of those things, can never, the, the law, can never, without, with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers unto it perfect. God says, you know what, the old law and all those sacrifices, all those religious traditions, do absolutely nothing to get us right with God. Keep going. Verse 5 and 6. Wherefore, when he cometh unto the world, saith he, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast no pleasure. Because they never did what was necessary for our salvation. They were a picture. They were a, a, a ceremonial thing that is done to look to the future. Keep going. 8 through 12. Above. When he said, sacrifices and offerings uh, and burnt offerings and offerings of the sin thou wouldest not, neither had thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Again, he's saying all those Old Testament traditions and law didn't cut it. Keep going. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the law, all those traditions, that he may establish the second, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Is that the last verse on that? Oh, yes. Keep going. Every priest that standeth daily ministering uh, offerings, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Do you have any churches around this country and around this world are full with people doing religious traditions and not, I shouldn't say not one of them, so many of them have no idea that Jesus Christ is the only sacrifice that matters. That their relationship with Jesus, and they spend decades religiously following traditions and not one of them, I should, again, can't say not one of them. I told you I need to pray sometimes for my brain that there are churches full of people who think just because they're doing that tradition, they're on their way to heaven. And God says, listen, there is only one sacrifice that removes the sin, and that is Jesus Christ alone. And you know what? Sometimes I forget that. I'll be honest with you. I, I'll get the passage of Scripture, I'll start reading it, and you know what my brain says? Man, that'll preach. There's a good sermon right there. And that's great, I know, because God's gifted me that way. I thank the Lord for that, because we do it, Dan and I. We read things and go, ooh, I like this. This is great. You know what sometimes I forget to do? I forget to remind myself that God, my, whole, my Savior, Jesus Christ, is speaking to me about what I ought to do with my life. 
Not just, ooh, <laughs> there's three points in an outline. It's right there. It's just awesome. And God goes, dummy, I'm talking to you. And I have to go, yeah, you're right, Lord. You know what? I might preach, but the thing that's important to me is Jesus Christ, my Savior. I want to be a Christ-like one. I don't want to just be somebody who can stand up in front and read scriptures and say some things. I want to be something who knows my Jesus and knows what he wants from me on a daily basis. Jesus says, you know what's better than sacrifice? All that Old Testament, all religious tradition is knowing the one who sacrificed all for you and me. There is nothing better than that personal relationship with Jesus. And there are so many people who spend week after week, month after month, year after year in religious systems and don't know their Savior. All these things, Jesus says, is better than sacrifice. You can raise your hands, you can pray, you can offer all these things, but unless you know me, if, unless you understand who the real sacrifice is, it doesn't matter. Keep going. Remember, the Old Testament law was to show us that we were sinful people and to point us to Jesus, the one true sacrifice. All that stuff in the Old Testament was to remind us that we're never going to be able to keep the, all that stuff in the Old Testament and to say that there's one better that's coming, the sacrifice once for all, forever. And that's Jesus. Religious traditions will never please God. So as much as I'd like to talk about other churches who stand here, kneel there, sing this song, say this uh, you know, doxology and pray prayers over and over and over, and it's easy to pick on some of those groups out there, sometimes we need to look at our own hearts and say, am I just doing this because it's a habit that I think God will be happy with? Or am I really doing it for the right reasons? Again, those reasons. Next slide. What's better than tradition? Mercy and knowledge of God. What's better than traditions? Putting away a sinful lifestyle. What's better than traditions? Giving God glory and praise with your life. What's better? Doing the right thing and partnering with other believers toward God's ministry. What's better? Knowing the one who is the ultimate sacrifice. Religious tradition is awesome. It can remind us of important pictures and truths that God wants us to remember. But not if we forget the one who gave us those traditions. Not if we ignore the God who wants to have a daily relationship with us. So please, as we go out in this world and we live it before others, yeah, there's many people in this world that are missing this. And they think just because they keep a schedule that has to do with what they always done for the last 60 years. So my grandma taught me to do it, and I'm still doing it. Or do we have a relationship that brings us closer to God? I thank the Lord that uh, there's an important thing when I call myself a Christ-like one. Do I really know that one who is the ultimate sacrifice? Am I really f learning and growing and in the knowledge of God? And am I really invested in the ministry that God wants me to do? I used football as an example a few minutes ago, and I know that uh, some of you don't like that, but tough, you're going to hear it again. In football, there's 22 players on the field, 
and then coaches and players and all kinds of other stuff on the sideline and 40,000 plus people watching. But that's not how it works in the Christian life. There are no spectators. We are all supposed to be players. What are you doing? Not your tradition. What are you doing for his ministry to bring you closer to the Lord, get to know him better and better? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. And Father, again, I stand up here and I, I do not want to at all make it seem like I got this covered. Lord, there are times, honestly, that it's almost robotic the way we accomplish things, the way I accomplish things. I do it because it's just what we do. And Lord, I understand there's an order and a decency and we want to be good stewards. But Lord, not because we're earning brownie points with you, just because we're doing something. Father, you want us to be invested in our life personally with you. And so Father, I just pray, help us, all of us, not to just live a religious life by some things we've always done. But Lord, making sure that everything that we do is because we're becoming more like what you want us to be. Father, you want us to grow. You want us to change. You want us to be more like Jesus every day. And we're not going to accomplish that just by doing the same old, same old that's always been done. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. All right.